Our scripture reading is Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Well, good morning. It is a privilege to be able to preach this morning. My name is Mike Jaderston. I am the director of students here at Eastminster. And to begin this sermon, I would like to share with you a method uh, that I have used with the students in helping them discern a big decision. Students would often, uh, will often come to me saying, I'm trying to decide which school or college to go to, or I'm trying to decide what to do about a relationship. And I don't remember where I first encountered this, uh, but this is what I would teach them. I would draw a triangle, and I would say, in determining your decision, think about it and explore it in these three areas. Number one, personal experience and reason. Where do you personally sense Jesus at work in this? What is the decision to be made? What are the pros and cons? Secondly, receive feedback from trusted community. Go to those that you know are godly, wise people who know the scriptures and ask them, is this a wise choice? Where do you sense God at work in this? And lastly, explore God's word. What does scripture have to say about this? Does scripture support this decision or does it contradict this decision? I would tell students, if all three of these points of the triangle are in agreement, it's probably a good decision and a wise choice. However, if there is anything that is disagreeing or one of these points does not line up, perhaps it is a poor choice. I share this with you this morning because I want to talk about decisions. I want to talk about a decision that was made by the first disciples that radically changed their life. And I also want to share with you a decision that my wife Kelsey and I have recently had to make. Now at this point in Matthew's gospel, uh, a little bit of context, we have to understand that Jesus uh, had been preaching in Galilee. In fact, if we uh, read Matthew's gospel alongside John's gospel, we can see that Jesus' ministry had already begun. And uh, from this point, we get this incredible encounter where we have two sets of brothers 
uh, that get a call and an invitation from Jesus. These brothers were fishermen. And what we can probably presume is that this was their livelihood. It was maybe a small family business. Um, it was a, uh, th- this was their craft. They were not poor and not rich, probably middle class. And then we have this really interesting exchange. Again, I'm going to read through these verses. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. I find this encounter strange, for, for Jesus' statement about fishing for people doesn't seem all that uh, intriguing. And yet, we are amazed because these brothers immediately at once leave their nets to follow this man. And then we get to the next pair of brothers. Going on from there, he saw the two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Again, a strange encounter. And I am personally struck by the timing. In both instances, you have these words like immediately and at once. They leave their vocation, their livelihood, what was familiar. They drop their nets and they follow Jesus. And so this begs a question for us. Why would they do that? And why was it such a quick instantaneous decision. Again, I shared that this has taken place uh, where Jesus has started to do his ministry in Galilee. I think it's neat to presume that this was the first encounter between Jesus and these brothers, but a more likely scenario is that these pairs of brothers had interacted or seen or heard Jesus preach at some time before this word was spreading around Galilee. There's even a chance that they were at the wedding of Cana. And so I can imagine before this encounter, these brothers fishing and talking about this man, Jesus. Have you heard about this Jesus? Do do you believe he really is who he says he is? Can you believe we've, we've never had a rabbi like this? Andrew, what if Jesus were to come speak to us. I imagine that these conversations were taking place. And this is why I believe when they are asked to follow Jesus, they did not hesitate. They may not have had all the details filled in. They had no idea what this would lead to. But what they did know was that they were going to be with Jesus and that was enough. For them, a future with Jesus was better than any other future. It reminds me of when the Israelites were about ready to enter the promised land. And Moses 
succeeds his leadership to Joshua, he speaks these words to him. Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. From the very beginnings of his word, we are given a picture of this God that whenever God calls you, he is also promising to be with you. And a future with God, a future with Jesus is better than any other future. The disciples, they didn't know much, but what they did know, it wasn't even worth a hesitation. We're going with Jesus. Makes me think back to when I first came to Eastminster. Uh, my wife, Kelsey, and I, I was, I was finishing up uh, undergrad and we were trying to de- determine what would be next. I had a friend who was a pastor in Fort Collins, Colorado, and he uh, reached out and said, hey, Mike, I'd love to create, and we have this internship for, uh, for youth pastors, and we'd love to have you come join our team. And so, Kelsey and I began talking about this, and I will admit there were some tearful conversations because I, I like Kansas, my wife loves Kansas. She is a homebody through and through, and the idea of leaving Wichita was difficult. And yet, as we continued to um, discuss and talk about what this may look like, I can remember a change in her, where she spoke to me and said, Mike, if you feel like the Lord is leading us to go to Colorado, then we need to go. And I remember that night she drew a little picture of the Jadersons moving to Colorado. I was impressed with her ability to respond in that way. So that night we decided, okay, tomorrow I'm calling my friend and I'm saying, yes, we're in. The next morning I uh, am getting ready to call and make this uh, decision and my phone rings before I can say yes. And it happens to be my older brother, Matt. And Matt goes, Mike, have you, have, you, have you talked to them yet? And I said, no, I was actually just about ready to. He said, don't say yes yet. I was able to get an interview at Eastminster today. And I'm like, oh boy, okay. This wrinkles the situation a little bit. Um, that, that afternoon, I was able to interview here for the middle school director job and I was offered the job that same day. When I look back on that journey and uh, Kelsey and I going through that, I, I think that was the Lord revealing his kindness to us. I believe Lord wanted us to be able to say, we will go wherever you call us, but no, we will take care of you. I want you to be able to leave Wichita But don't worry, I've created another path for you. We were reminded of the kindness and goodness of walking with Jesus that day and it began a journey that has been incredible. 
Whenever Jesus calls you, he is also promising to be with you. Church, sometimes I think we make following Jesus about the wrong things. We make being a follower of Jesus about believing a certain set of ideas or having a certain moral code or being on certain sides of theological or political issues. But I believe the primary, the most beautiful part of who, of our God, the God that we serve is that at the center of it all, we have a God who says, I will be with you. When we say, I will follow you, Jesus, we are given the promise that we will be with Jesus forever. The most beautiful part of the Christian message is that we have a God who came to us through Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. We are now given the invitation into his eternal kingdom where we will be with King Jesus forever. This is the central and beautiful truth of what it means to be a Christian. And what's beautiful about this is that this is not just for after we die. This invitation starts now. Just like the disciples, life with Jesus starts now. The invitation, come, follow me, is an invitation for all of us. He invites us to walk with him daily through the Holy Spirit to abide in him, to pursue and seek the mind of Christ in everything that we do. When I was getting my master's, I had a a professor who put it like this. Following Jesus cannot just be about following his example and doing what he did. If so, we would no longer need his presence because we have his example. Rather, following Jesus is about abiding in him and he in us in real time through the spirit and having the mind of Christ. You see, I think many people admire Jesus from afar, think he was a good teacher, a great role model, but the call to follow Jesus So much deeper than that. For each one of us, there is a time where Jesus reaches out individually and says, come, follow me. Be my disciple. Come be part of something bigger than yourself. Drop your nets. Come be part of my mission to redeem the world. Walk with me. Perhaps you're familiar with the phrase WWJD. This was all the rage when I was a, in, in middle school and high school. We all had bracelets that said WWJD, which stands for what would Jesus do? And the idea is if you're faced with a situation or a decision, you ask the question, what would Jesus do? And I thought this is a helpful question. I remember I wore out my bracelet when I was that age. But when I 
took the position of middle school director, I wanted to teach the students about what life with Christ was like. And I decided that WWJD was not good enough. So we came up with our own acronym, Widget Sausadoff. <laughs> way worse acronym, but way better question. Where is Jesus in this situation and what should I do as his follower? The question infers that Jesus is not outside of our lives. He's not uh, some distant God, but Jesus through his Holy Spirit is at work in us and around us and through us. And in every circumstance, we can seek to know God's heart and his desires. Where is Jesus in this situation and what should I do as his follower? We did have bracelets made, all right, still have bracelet. I think probably some of our students still wear them. Uh, Again, weird acronym, but a good question. Widget Sasadoff was a question that my wife and I were faced with uh, a little over two months ago. Most of you know, um, I just finished in 2021 my master's degree in Christian spiritual formation from Friends University here in Wichita. Through those two years, I formed some great relationships, some deep friendships with professors, um, with the faculty and staff. And it was through them that a little over two months ago, I was contacted for there was a job opening at Friends for a campus pastor. And I found it uh, interesting that within the period of about two days, I had about three people from different parts of the university reach out and say, Mike, have you thought about this? You would have gifts and skills and experience that would do really well here. So Kelsey and I began to prayerfully discern, is Jesus in this? What could he be asking. We began to make the pros and cons lists. We began to just seek Jesus and say, what, what are you doing within me and in this position and in this opportunity? And what we realized as we began to have these conversations is that we agreed with what some of these professors and friends were saying. As I think about my ministry with students and think about the gifts that God has built in me. Uh, The main portion of this job is to reach college students for the gospel through speaking, through meeting with students on campus. We think about there's a, Friends has such a diversity of students, of athletes, musicians, artists. And uh, Kelsey has on occasion said, I have too many hobbies. But that would lead to conversations and an ability to reach and connect with students. Truthfully, Kelsey and I also started thinking about it from a more personal perspective. For as much as I love youth ministry, the youth ministry schedule is kind of crazy. And now as a dad with three young kids, the all-nighters, the weekends, the week-long retreats, there was something compelling about going to a more traditional schedule. But we weren't going to make a decision on something so 
large as to move positions without speaking to others. And so at this point, Kelsey and I decided to bring in some trusted community, some, uh, some of our closest friends and family, and we said, I've been presented with this. Can you pray for me and speak what you feel like the Spirit is leading you and how you would engage with it? We received more affirmations. Indeed, Mike, that seems like an excellent opportunity. I remember the day I confided in Pastor Stan and said in his office, Stan, I'm asking for your prayers. I've been presented with this opportunity. I love Eastminster. What do I do? I'll never forget what he did that day in the office. He he first goes, Mike, I don't want you to leave. (laughs) But, and he stood up from his chair and he began to walk around his office. He goes, walk with Jesus every day. Walk with Jesus every day. And one day, Jesus will say to you, now go this way. And you go. After, a few days after that conversation with Stan, I asked the Lord to give me a scripture to confirm in his word that this indeed was a good and wise choice. And the truth is, the reason I chose this text was because that day the Lord presented this text to me. You see, uh, a few days after I had, I had met with Stan, I went off to um, kind of a retreat center to pray. And I began to just go on a prayer walk where I was asking Jesus to reveal his purposes for me. And I remember feeling anxious and overwhelmed and going through all the scenarios. Uh, you know, Jesus, I love Eastminster. I love our students. Could, are you in this? And I remember over and over again, Jesus impressing upon me, Mike, just walk with me. And then I began to start speaking and, and, and sharing. No, Jesus, you, you don't understand. I, got, I have to, I need to know. You got to share. Mike, Mike, just walk with me. Finally, I released that tension, just decided, okay. And I just began to walk and tried to pay attention to where the Spirit was and how he was with me. For about an hour, I just walked. And you have to understand, this is kind of a dangerous thing for a Jaderston because we have terrible sense of direction and we can't multitask. So at this point, I find myself totally lost. I'm in some neighborhood that was not where I started, um, not even on the retreat center anymore. And I look up and in front of me is a little pond. And in front of the pond is this kind of gazebo, this, this wooden structure. And I, so I sense that I need to walk over to it. As I walk and stand under this structure and look out over the pond, I see on the side of the gazebo this little inscription that says, who made it, and then it says Matthew 4.20. At once, they left their nets followed him. And church, at this point, 
I sensed that Jesus was revealing his purposes for me. If I may, I have fished in the Eastminster Pond for eight and a half years. Not the literal pond, although I've caught some nice fish out of there. But this place, this church, this student and youth ministry, I have poured my heart and soul into. It is what is familiar to me. It is what is comfortable. It is what I know and understand and love, and it brings me life and joy. And yet, standing in front of that pond with these words in my head, I sense Jesus saying, now go this way. It's time to drop these nets, for I have a new mission field waiting for you. And so church, with lots of prayerful, tearful discussion with Kelsey, with bringing it between trusted community and sensing a confirmation from God's word, we have chosen to accept this position. And it's with a bittersweet heart that I share with you, this will be my last summer as the director of students at Eastminster. I say bittersweet because it is indeed both bitter and sweet. It is bitter because Eastminster is our home. I know that whenever a staff person or a pastor leaves a congregation, it always begs questions. People want to know what's, what's the real story? What are you not telling us? And I want you to hear it from me, church. I love Eastminster. I've loved my time here. I love our staff. I love our pastors. I have been personally invested in, encouraged, supported, prayed for every step of the way. It is bitter because saying goodbye to a position in which I love so much and feel so much encouragement is really tough. But there is also a sweetness. Kelsey and I are excited about this new phase of life and ministry. We believe that the harvest is plentiful, Friends University, that it is a a university in which more than half of the students would claim no faith whatsoever. And to be able to have a chance to make an impact for the kingdom of God, I've already begun, Jesus, since to build and grow my heart for that space. If there's anything that I would wish would be different, it's the timing of all of this. I know that the last few months have brought about some questions or uncertainties. We've had staff changes. We have a sabbatical for Pastor Stan coming up. And again, I want you to hear from me, that has nothing to do with why we have chosen to go this way. We are not leaving Eastminster, we are going. And you will still see us around. I will still be preaching during the sabbatical. Um, You'll still see us at worship and Sunday school. I'd be a fool if I weren't, if I didn't let my kids get discipled by Mr. Gummy and our kidsmen. You will see us just not on staff. 
Church, I believe that whenever a pastor, whenever uh, a staff person leaves a congregation or a community, it is a reminder to all of us that the church is not held together by a human being or by a personality, but Jesus holds the church together. Jesus loves our church. Uh, we refer to Stan as senior pastor, but the true lead pastor of Eastminster is Jesus Christ. And in his hands, he will take care of us. Trust me, I, I don't think there's anyone that loves the students more than I do, but I do know and can say that Jesus does indeed do. He loves the students more than I do. He will take care of them excellently in the future. So that's my story. This is what the process has looked like for Kelsey and I. I can't tell you how grateful we are for the support and love we've received in our eight and a half years here. Can't tell you how grateful we are um, for so much encouragement and so much prayer. Um, it's truly been an incredible journey. But enough about me. This is a sermon. So I want to ask you, what about you? Are you finding yourself faced with a decision? Are you seeking the mind of Christ in all things? What are the nets that perhaps Jesus is asking you to drop? Where is Jesus calling you to step out into deeper fellowship with him? May we be reminded, church, that the invitation, come, follow me, was not just for the first disciples. It's the invitation for all of us every day. And when Jesus calls you, he is also promising to be with you. And a future with Jesus is better than any other future. Thank you, Eastminster, for this incredible journey. May we be reminded that the Christian life, the call of the Christian life is really quite simple. Just walk with Jesus. Just walk with Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we have all at some point sensed the call from you to follow you. To drop the things that are comfortable or familiar so that we can journey through this life with you. Remind us again this day that saying yes to you is always worth it. That a future with you is better than any other future. We repent of the places and the spaces in which we do not follow you. Where we make being a Christian about things that aren't as important. Thank you that you will never leave nor forsake us.
that you love us fiercely, that you demonstrated that love through dying on a cross. May that truth, that gospel, energize us to continue to follow you and to seek you in all things. Pray this in the great name of Jesus. Amen.